0: Well, what's up, y'all? It's Russ Parr. Welcome to the Russ cast. On today's show, we talked to my good friend. His name is Kendrick Redfern. He wrote a book that every black family should get and a book that really protects you and gives your kids and gives you some advice on what to do when you're pulled over by the police it's an incredible book, so that's coming up. But first up, we're going to be talking to my boy Robin Thick. He's got a new album out, and we're going to get into some of his personal stuff like we do here on the Russ Podcast. So let's go right to it. Well, on the phone line right now, the incomparable Robin Thick. and I know Robin's got a new project. First of all, I want to say good morning, man. How you doing?
1: Good morning, Mr. Parr. How are you? <laughs> I'm just
0: fabulous, man. I'm excited about this album, Empire Thank on you. Earth and in Heaven but I'm looking at your bio, right? And I, thought, this is so Robin. Okay. It says it's a, it's fitting for this time in my life because I feel like I'm finally the person I set out to be still completely fucked up yet over my own <laughs> bullshit and taking myself so seriously. Robin, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Would you say that's like, a, a growth in you? I mean, because you've been through a lot. Yeah, man. And, and dude, you know, I'm not going to go and revisit all your stuff. I'm not, I don't need to do
1: that. No, no, we don't need to. <laughs> no.
0: But this this, is like a growth thing for you. Would you say that?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I set out with all the right intentions, you know, to make great music and uh, lift spirits and, and treat people right. And then, you know, somewhere in the middle, you get caught up in some of the fame and you want some of this and you get some bad habits and so I had, I needed some time to reset and get back to my intentions and what kind of man I wanted to be. And I lost my father. I lost my house burnt down. Oh, I got divorced. And then last year, my mentor, my beloved mentor, Andre Harrell passed. Yeah. And that was kind of the final straw. I just kind of like woke up and realized I had already been given so much love and information mm-hmm. and support that it was time for me to just, you know, walk the right path and yeah. do, do things the right way.
0: You're a five-time Grammy award winner. Uh, diamond selling performer, actor, entrepreneur, and all these things when you get all these accolades, man, in your career, sometimes you can lose yourself a little bit. Do you think the old you got a little lost?
1: yeah, it did for a while you know i think um you know sometimes you get a little uh you don 't realize that you 're being greedy, you think you're you're focused on the greater good for everybody, but you 're making greedy choices, you know what I mean yes you're making selfish choices. And then, and then, you know, uh, everything seems like it's uh, on a positive note, but then you hit a wall and you really have to face all the shit you haven't been dealing with. You know what I mean? Right. And so for me, my father passing and my house burning down and all that stuff, it just, it made me have to uh, be an example for my kids, you know, be an example for my son and be a good man. No matter what the, the world was throwing at me, I had to I had to do the right thing and, and make my family happy. You know, what I mean?
0: you know, I, it, it, it really bothered me, you know, when your father passed, because we all kind of grew up on Allen Thick, and and I felt I felt for you. I didn't have your number to call you just to express my condolences. I'm sure you probably didn't want to hear from me, man, but I know that is rough. And and that's, that's, it's a life changing thing when there's somebody that's so influential in your life, you know what I mean? And, and to, to lose that and be going through all the stuff that you're going through, I guess it compiles after a while. And did you step away from the music at that time? Because your creative flow just wasn't there you're not in the right frame of mind well
1: you know the, what the records that i was making after blurred lines and the paula album i started kind of chasing that hit again mm-hmm. and the music got kind of thin and i lost my message and my intention and then when my father passed i scrapped all that music i was making i started over and i wanted to you know really try to honor him first but then andre harrell was reminding me you know don't don't forget to celebrate in your music. Don't forget all the mm-hmm. love you still have here, all your friends, your mom, your fiance, your children, me. You have all this love here. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to celebrate that in your music also. And so he reminded me that. And that's, that's where the, the celebration came out of the struggle, you know, to appreciate right. all the love we do have right here with us and to appreciate the people that have passed on that it gave us so much love and support.
0: In your bio, you say, when I looked over my album notes, the phrase that kept coming to mind was on earth
1: and in heaven. Yeah.
0: Define that for us.
1: Well, you know, that's, that's the message is that, uh, especially what we've all been going through as a society this past year, you know, we've all, we're all facing loss and struggle and challenges. And, and how do we turn that into something beautiful and something positive? How do we keep smiling through the rain and how do we keep dancing through the pain, you know?
0: yeah. And that's what
1: this album is. It's a big hug and it's a big, warm embrace to uh, for everybody out there to uh, help us get through these times. And the music helped me get through this time and find a positive place, you know? So All I right. hope it does the same for others. How
0: many kids do you have
1: now? I have four. I have three Damn. kids. uh I'm three years old, yes. My daughter's during <laughs> turned three and two this week and I have a newborn son so the house is is full of love and completely exhausting
0: (laughs) yeah because I imagine that changes you because that's uh, another question is like you know Robin Thicke was the sex symbol right And, and, and a lot of women like gravitated towards you because you were that do you think the image now that Robin Thicke the father of four has adjusted your approach to your music do you think you have gained new fans or you maybe lost some
1: i think it's uh it's a catch-22 you know you can't i think what's most important is you you want to be uh connected to your generation Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and as that generation we grow together we age together we end up with kids together and then so maybe back then i was I was good for the bedroom. Now I'm good for the family kitchen barbecue. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like, now you can put my music on for the barbecue and the kitchen and mama and grandma dancing and the kids dancing. It's it's that kind of, you know, soulful, celebratory, feel-good music that helps you, uh, you know. And it might still work in the bedroom. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So let me
0: ask you. Don't get me wrong. So, Robin, um, when you you finish the album, how – was it a painstaking process to pick out which do which song do we roll out with? Which one is going to be the single?
1: Well, that was kind of tough because I didn't, with this album in particular, I went back to uh, just making great music and not thinking about singles. But one that was standing out was this song, Look Easy, mm-hmm. that uh, Empire was really excited about. And the message of the song is really special because it's about, you know, the frontline workers, our mothers. And and the people who sacrifice are daily teachers who sacrifice all the time and they make it look easy. They keep they come home and they smile for us and they make dinner and they laugh with us and they dance with us, even though they're facing the toughest challenges in life, you know? Yeah. And so that that song really spoke to the times and uh, seems to be what people are gravitating towards. So we just shot a video, we just went to radio, and that, that's the official single, is Look Easy.
0: You know, talking to you, man, it's like, you know, we've talk to each other over the years and
1: yeah 20 years almost uh, now you yeah, know <laughs> yeah.
0: I hear happiness
1: yeah Happy. well that, that, I don't know if that's possible but I know that uh, <laughs> I know that what I've learned over these years is that um that intention and purpose having purpose is happiness when you wake up with a purpose in your life and you have something to do that makes you feel good then you have a reason to live you know, and yeah. so I focus on the purpose more than I do on the the happiness, than the the, I, the, um, uh, the ending. I'm, I'm I'm worried about the ending right now. I'm just worried about daily, you know, enjoying this process. Mm-hmm. I, I I know your children are young. Do they know yes. who
0: Do they know who you are?
1: Well, my ten year old, he's all he's all up on it. You know, he's in the movies. He plays guitar. He writes his own songs. Wow. You know, he wants to direct like his mom and, mm-hmm. and be a singer like his dad. So. He's uh you know, he's all up on it. But but he's also like my little best friend. He's a mini me, so we have a blast.
0: That is awesome. That's awesome. Because it's tough to juggle both, man, and, and to be effective at both. And then again you'll never know how great of a parent you are until they do get older
1: and they do quite exactly. understand what they're doing.
0: So that's that's a beautiful thing. Uh what's gonna be the second single off this album?
1: We don't know yet. I mean, we got a lot of love on the Pharrell record. Pharrell and I did this record called Take Me Higher that they've been playing in the NBA uh, games on Saturday. Right. and Commercials and stuff. It's got a great old school groove, so we might do something with that. But right now, we're just excited to get the album out. be getting a lot of great reviews and love. And for me, it's been seven years and a lot of heartache. So I'm really just kind of enjoying the sunshine right now.
0: Well, Robin, you know me, man. It's like uh, whenever you need something promoted, all you got to do is just call me. No, nah, uh, you've
1: always been been great. You've always been honest and straight up with me and been a great guy. So I always appreciate the love, man. I
0: ain't no doubt. Robin, it's good talking with you, bro.
1: Good talking with you, Russ. Much love to you and the family.
0: All right, same there. Take care, bro.
1: Okay, what well.
0: Robin Thick, one of the good guys in the business. I say that because I really love talking to this dude and watching him just grow and grow and grow. All right, coming up next, man, you know, we always have this talk with our young sons about what happens when you get pulled over by the police. Sometimes you need to know your rights, sometimes you need to know what to do. Well, my homie, Super Ken Kendrick Redfern, wrote a book that addresses all these, and I caught up with him. Well, he's a guy that I work with all the time. His name is Super Ken, AKA Kendrick Redfern. He wrote this fantastic book. It's called Body Armor. Everything you do, you need to know to survive your next encounter with the police. This is a very powerful book, and I'm not I'm not having you on the podcast just because I work with you and I'm, I'm doing you a solid. The solid is I'm doing it for everybody that's actually listening to this episode right now because um, I have to tell you, we can go over all the stats of people of color losing their lives at the hands of police officers. And what you wrote is a a book about educating folks as to what your rights are and how to handle situations that can escalate very quickly. What what would you say um, about your book is the most important thing that you guys, you want people to take from it?
2: Well, it's it's your rights. You need to know just because an officer tells you something that that just may not be the law, you know, um, Case case in point, if you're walking out of the store minding your own business, you may be rushing to the bus stop to go to work and the officer may say, hey, you, stop. Come here. And you ask yourself, do I have to listen to him? Do I have to even respond to that? The truth of the matter is no. You know, unless he comes to you and tells you you are the subject of an investigation, he doesn't have the right to detain you, ask you any questions or anything to that effect. You do not have to Basically, listen.
0: Now, to to do your research for this book, obviously it took you years of research, and you've interviewed countless law enforcement officials and everyone else. Is that correct?
2: Well, yeah, that's what I did. Maybe I I dealt with several officers in several different jurisdictions to get their take on the law and how you should respond when dealing with an officer. Because you have this way of just being nervous instantly. When a cop gets behind you, they don't even have to pull you over. They don't even have to turn on their lights. You straighten up, you get off the phone, you turn down the radio. That feeling you get, you know what I mean? It shouldn't be that way. An officer is there to help you. You know, you shouldn't feel that way when you see law enforcement. So I think that's one thing that my, my book, it helps you to understand what's going on, which automatically, which automatically gives you comfort in that situation.
0: So let me ask you a question. Let's set up a scenario. Um, a, a police officer pulls you over. And he says, I want you to get out of the car. I want to search your vehicle. Is he allowed to search your vehicle?
2: Well, yes and no. Can he just pull you over and search your vehicle? No. But let's say um, you don't have your license on you. Let's say uh, your vehicle isn't properly registered. Okay, so now you're giving him the upper hand. Basically, in this situation, if you're the subject of an investigation, does your uh, vehicle fit the description of one that was involved in a crime. So the short answer of it is no. An officer pulls you over, especially if it's for something just traffic-related. You should be able to just give him their information, and you should move on your way with your citation or without. But if it's a situation in which you're being arrested, he can search a vehicle. If it's a situation in which something's in plain sight, he can search a vehicle. You know, it's called fruits of a crime, you know? So there are certain situations in which he can but the short answer is no. If you do not give an officer permission to search your vehicle and he or she does not have a warrant, the answer is no.
0: Okay. So while we're doing a pull, being pulled over, if you don't have your license or your insurance card, can they impound that car and make you get out of the vehicle?
2: Yes. And I'm glad you, you asked that question because um, that officer, he pulls you over, your vehicle isn't properly registered. He can he can tow it. You don't have your insurance, he can tow it. Um, your license suspended, revoked, you don't have a license, he could take that vehicle. Or guess what? If you have a passenger in the car with you and they have a license, he may decide to let them drive that car. Let's say if he pulled you over in the parking lot or somewhere off the street. He may decide just to let you park that vehicle and walk away. So that's why I always tell uh, people to be polite when dealing with an officer because a lot of those decisions are up to that officer. That's at their discretion. They want to lock you up or let you walk away or tow your vehicle or let it sit park or let someone else drive it.
0: When you encounter a police officer and you start to video, well, you start your camera on your phone, does he have a right to make you turn it off?
2: He does not. He may ask you to. If it's, if it's in your hands and you, he's asking you to get out of the car or you're out of the vehicle, well, then he has a way of probably, you know, getting you to put it away or put it down. But if you are in your car and you have it set up, you know, like most people have something connected to their dash, their vent, their window, and that's where, that's where you want it, to just start filming so you're not holding it. And then he can't control nothing in your vehicle. No.
0: Can you ask for another police officer because you feel like you're not getting a fair shake from this police officer that has pulled you over?
2: You can do one better. You can actually request a supervisor to the scene. Yes.
0: Hmm. Okay. And hopefully. But
2: one thing I want to add with that, when dealing with a police officer, if you don't have a camera running in your car, and and they ask you to get out of the vehicle, you want to try to make sure that you stay at least in front of the dash cam. Don't rely on their body cam to record the situation. You want to be in front of that dash camera because that dash cam footage can't be manipulated.
0: All right, so let's talk about some of the survival techniques. If you have a 16-year-old son, where would you tell him to put his driver's license and his insurance so it's not that issue of being concerned about reaching over into your glove box that seems to be is an issue
2: that's actually covered in the book first section i think 1.1 1. 1, driver i talked to several officers about that and all of them gave me a different answer ironically but it was one officer with around 10 years of experience with the metropolitan police department in washington dc she said go with your son visor Put your registration, your license. She said, put all that stuff right in your sun visor. Mm-hmm. Because she said the, the, vis- the high visibility of the area and the thinness of the area, it poses less of a threat to an officer. See, some situations occur because the officer is just afraid. They're scared. They may think you're making a move. I mean, sometimes that is the case. So she recommended that visor is highly visible and is thin. So I can see where your hands are. I can see what your hands are doing. And it's unlikely you're going to pull a firearm from there.
0: We're talking to Kendrick Redfern. He's the author of a uh, uh, body armor, everything you need to know to survive your next encounter with the police. Okay. So a police officer comes up and he's belligerent and you begin to use profanity. Can you be pulled out of your car for cussing at a police officer?
2: Well, I've seen this go down. Unfortunately, I wouldn't recommend that, especially if you are of color because an officer is more versed in the law than you are. So he can come up with a way to use that against you. However, technically that's not a crime. He may can try to get you with disturbing the peace or, uh, or something with, to that effect, but you can speak to an officer any way you choose to. I mean, To be honest.
0: But in your book, do you talk about it's best to try to be cooperative?
2: I always tell you to comply. You know, if your life does not depend on it, I recommend you complying with an officer. If he's asked, he or she is asking you to do something that you think violates your rights, your rights, question that, you know. Ask the officer, are you telling me I have to get out the car? Are you telling me I have to get out, you know? Are you, you know? Mm -hmm. Are you forcefully searching my vehicle without my permission here? You know, just seek clarification. But at the end of the day, I always recommend that you comply. That way you have your day in court because out there on the scene, an officer is looking for justification. If he can justify His or her actions, then you're in trouble. And you getting hyper or you getting angry, you yelling, you cursing, you're actually giving them something to justify their actions. So don't make them the judge or the jury out there or even the executioner out there on the scene. Play along so you can get to where you need to be to file your complaint. Because an officer is pretty much the lowest form of the law.
0: So you're getting pulled over and it's a dark, abandoned road. Can you drive to where there's light, where there is activity? Do you have a right to do that, or can they hit you yes, up you with can. they hit you up with uh, you're evading uh, uh, the police officer or whatever charge they might have?
2: Yes, um, actually you can, um, but what I would recommend you want to show the officer that you are not fleeing or eluding. I would actually maybe turn on my hazards and make sure that I'm either maintaining the speed limit or a little slower speed to indicate that maybe I'm looking for a better place to pull over.
0: And we're running out of time here, but in your final analysis, what do you think is the biggest issue that people don't know that they have a right as to what they can do to protect themselves? What is the one big thing that you cover in your book?
2: The one big thing, Uh, well, one thing uh, probably is fleeing and eluding an officer. Um, You have the right to run from an officer. You have the right to leave a scene. You can do, uh, you can't, an officer can't look at you and and say that they had contact with you. So you're allowed to leave an officer, whether running or or whether walking, It's, it's not fleeing or eluding. So just because an officer is present doesn't mean that you have to, you know, be detained. He has to legally detain you. Okay. You know, that's one thing.
0: In open carry states, do you advise people that have a weapon in the car to tell a police officer? Because I told my wife, because my wife carries, if you get pulled over, don't tell them it's in there. Because that's, we've seen what has happened when somebody's informed police officers, I have a weapon in the car. They draw automatically on you
2: well it, it 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 heightens the situation, and I had an officer with nearly thirty years of experience. He told me, "I never inform an officer that I'm carrying my weapon unless it's on me and I have to exit the vehicle. Mm. If my weapon is on my person and I'm exiting the vehicle at that point in time. I inform the officer with my hands up. I inform him that I am carrying my firearm and where it's located and I'm licensed. And that way it's no, you know, you kind of get rid of some of the the intensity of -hmm. the situation.
0: We're only touching the surface of this book, y'all. Um, I highly recommend it, especially we have young black men and black women that need to know what their rights are as to like, for example, if, you're pulled over and the officer smells weed in the car. Does he have a right to make you get out of the car so he can search it for other drugs?
2: Depends on where you are. If you're in Washington, D.C. and a few other places where, where that's not reason for a search. But if just say um, until the law changes in the state of Virginia, yes, that's ground for a search. The smell of marijuana, exactly. So it all depends. It's best to go online. If, if get the book, Body Arm. You can go to com. Go online. Know the laws in your area because information is power. A lot of this stuff, people just don't know it.
0: All right. Name the book again, man, for everybody where they can oh, go to get it.
2: Body Armor. Everything you need to know to survive your next encounter with the police, you can go to bodyarmorthebook.com. It's available on Google Play, iTunes, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Pretty much any and everywhere you can buy a book is there, body armor? Everything you need to know to survive your next encounter with the police.
0: I'm telling you, I read the book, and I want everybody that has a teenager that's learning how to drive or getting ready to drive by themselves, make them read this book before they go out. But at the end of the day—
2: Whether you're a driver, passenger, pedestrian, homeowner, concealed permit holder, we cover it all in the book. If the police are knocking at your front door at home, do you have to open the door? It's all covered in the book.
0: Everything. I got to tell you all, whenever I get pulled over, I'm as pleasant as possible. I'm not giving them any reason to try. And they bait me. They bait me to try to get me to get get, get ugly, but I don't. Because they have a weapon and exactly. I don't. So I'm going to do what I have to do to get home to my family. That's what I got to do. Exactly. And it's nothing about exactly. being a punk or anything. Kendrick Redfern, Super Ken. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, sir. All right. All right, y'all, it's time for my rant. ladies. ladies.
0: Tell what I feel. Uh yes. Just recently, of course, the COVID bill passed almost $2 trillion and people are up in arms over $5 billion going to black farmers. Lindsey Graham called it reparations. In this bill, if you're a
1: farmer, your loan will be forgiven up to 120% of your loan, not 100%, but mm-hmm. 120% of your loan if you're socially disadvantaged, uh-huh. if you're African-American, some other minority, but if you're White person, if you're a white woman, no forgiveness as reparations. (gasps)
0: Heaven forbid, Lindsay. You mean white folks never got reparations? You ever hear of slavery where you got free labor for years? That was your reparations. Black farmers have been discriminated against for hundreds of years. Yes, they have. You go to the USDA and try to get help, they spit in your face and they reject your applications. No debt forgiveness. Even white farmers were telling their black farmer friends... You all didn't get debt forgiveness? You didn't get that? No, because it's not an equal playing field. It doesn't make sense. And you're talking about it's reparations? That is insulting. What's insulting is Trump, your boy, started a tariff war with China. China won. We get fucked. Farmers start killing themselves. And he says, oh, I better do something. I'll give him $32 billion worth of reparations. I wonder how much of that $32 billion went to blacks. In minorities, and other disenfranchised groups. I'll let you do the numbers. But this is crazy. We farmed your land for free. Isn't that reparations enough? Black farmers have been going and trying to get loans forever and get rejected. They've been shutting down, but they pick themselves up by their bootstraps and get back out there and try to make it happen. But we got idiots like this girl, I mean this guy, Lindsey Graham, who comes from South Carolina, which has a huge black farmer population and says shit like that. That is insulting. And some of y'all get mad at me when I make a reference to possible sexuality. It's always been rumored that he hires gay sex workers. That's a rumor in D.C., you know, that he's always in DuPont Circle area, which is a, a noted gay area down there having cocktails. Uh, emphasis on the uh, first part of that word. But this guy's the same hypocrite that votes against every LGBTQ legislation for LGBTQ rights. This guy's against gay marriage. This guy's against gay adoption. It's just, he's he's a hypocrite. He's a problem. We can't help it if our country's run by this fucked up dude. So you want to talk about debt forgiveness? You want to talk about reparations? We should be entitled to it. Shame on you, Lindsey Graham. Girl, you're going wild. That's my rant. Thanks for listening to the Russ Parkcast. Make sure you subscribe and give us a rating and let everyone in your circle know about the Russ Parcast. We'll be dropping Russ's rants occasionally, so make sure you check that out. And a new episode each week. Check me out during the weekday mornings on the Russ Parr Morning Show syndicated nationally. Make sure you follow us on all socials at Russ Par Show. Thanks again, y'all.